Hello, and welcome to the podcast on Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. But today, I have the honor to hear uh, who's become a friend, uh, Randy Carter, Pastor Randy Carter, retired out of, please don't hold it against him, out of West Tennessee. Um, he's still wearing his orange proudly today, though. And so he, he's pastored a number of different churches um, from Ohio all the way down to, lastly, at ja- in Jackson. And uh, I just have gotten to befriend him over the, the past couple of months and, and even meet his lovely wife, Nancy. Um, and so it's just going to be a privilege today. I know you're going to be blessed, and uh, we're just going to hear from the word of the Lord that, that Pastor Randy has today. Would you welcome him with me this morning? Yeah, I wear my orange and white. I'm loyal, uh, and I'm long-suffering. I, man, you takes a long-suffering person to be a Vol fan now. So I just uh, met the couple. They're pastors from um, Indiana, and they beat Penn State yesterday. And, uh, of course, we beat them in the bowl game last year. But uh, And then I <laughs> met the gentleman from Vermont, and I don't think they play football in Vermont. I'm not sure. If they do, Tennessee needs to play them now. So we, we, we need help. I'm delighted this morning to have my mother with us. Uh, Mom will turn 89 next month. And um, a few uh, in September, all of us tested positive for the virus. And uh, my sister and brother-in-law, Mom, Nancy and myself. And uh, Nancy and I, Nancy lost her taste and smell. And uh, I I had it pretty, pretty easy, but I was, you know, exhausted and and um, had fever and stuff like that. And I called mom and I said, what are you doing? She said, well, I just brought clothes in off the line and I've been working all, you know, I've been in the flower bed all morning. She's an amazing, amazing lady and we're just honored that she's here today. So can we welcome her? I'm trying to decide if I need my glasses or not because I can't see with them or without them, so. But uh, hey, Pastor, Pastor, you can't, Pastor Michael. Thank you for uh, sharing your pulpit with us this morning. We came back in January. We had just moved. We lived in Jackson. We pastored there for 26 and a half years, and um, we retired. And we said, "Where do? Where are we going to move?" And uh, we prayed, and we said, "Lord, I know we'll move to Knoxville. That's where our grandbabies are." And the, we didn't wait for the Lord to say yes or no. We just took off. And uh, so, but we came and uh, we felt, we just love this church. And we're on the other side of town. I, I'm West everything, West Tennessee, now West Knoxville. And um, so thank you for letting us be here. Let's pray together. Can we do that? Father, thank you for the privilege of sharing your word today. Lord, your word brings freedom. Your word brings power. Lord, your word brings salvation. And we pray, Lord, that all of those would be in the house today. 
Father, we pray that you would give us ears to hear, not what the preacher says, but what the Spirit of the Lord wants to say to us today. And God, we give you praise in advance for you confirming your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Have you ever felt like a frog? Frogs feel slow, low, ugly, puffy, drooped, and pooped. I know one told me so. His name was Michael. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the frog feeling comes when you want to feel smart, but you feel dumb. When you want to care, but you're indifferent. When you want to share, but you're selfish. Yes, each of us has found himself sitting on a lily pad, floating down the river of life, and there we sat, too froggish to budge. Once upon a time, there was a, there was a frog, but he wasn't really a frog. He was a handsome prince that this mean old woman had turned into a frog. And the only thing that could turn him back into a handsome prince was a kiss of a beautiful maiden. But tell me, since when do beautiful chicks kiss frogs? And so there he sat, unkissed prince in frog form. But one day, one day, a beautiful chick came along, grabbed him up, and gave him a big smack. And crash, boom, zap, he was transformed back into the most handsome of all princes. And you know the end of the story. They lived happily ever after. So what's the purpose of Emmanuel, Assembly of God? It's to kiss frogs, of course. To kiss frogs. I was born at an early age in Detroit, Michigan. I'm not proud that I was born in Detroit, but that's where my mom was at the time, and I was sticking very close to her. And... Um, we lived in a suburb called Lincoln Park. We lived there until eighth grade, and then we moved to Middle Tennessee. Is that better, to be from in Middle? That's at least closer to God's country over here. But we moved to Middle Tennessee. But we lived in that suburb, and I went to a junior high school called Huff Junior High. And at that time, it was the second largest high school in the nation. It had 3,000 students in the high school. In the middle, in the junior high, something, wherever I was, it had 3,000 <laughs> students. When we moved to Tennessee, that's about what our hometown had. Because the school was so large, we didn't play interscholastic activities. We, nobody wanted to play us because all the other junior highs were half or less than that of our size. So we didn't have the superstar athlete that everybody knew. We didn't have... You know, just usually in a junior high, there's somebody, there's some outstanding kid that everybody knows, and he's kind of the leader of the school. Well, that wasn't true in our school. And there was no one that everybody knew except for this little girl that was mentally challenged, and she was disfigured. She walked a little bit hunched over, and unfortunately, she had some warts on her face, and as only junior hires can do, she was nicknamed the frog. And people were cruel to her. Um, her locker was just down the hallway from mine. And I remember when, when she would walk by, people would, if you, if you could, the, the hallways were so crowded in that school that you could barely have time to get to your next class. But if you wanted to clear the hallways, all you had to do was say, 
the frog is coming, the frog is coming, and the hallways would split. People would duck into classrooms, hall, they'd duck into restrooms, whatever, to get away from her. Some of the meaner guys would poke her, and many would call her names, but no one would take the time to talk to the frog. I'll tell you how old I am. One of the things that, that was said about the frog is that if the frog touched you, you would get cooties. Anybody remember cooties? And I, I never treated her badly. I, I never called her names. I never poked at her. I, I never spoke an unkind word to her. I never reached out to shield her from the taunts. That's the problem. I never. I, I never protected her. I never, I never loved on her. I never cared for her. And because of that, she went on suffering. You know, it's been over 50 years now. I've been over 60 years. No, not quite 60. But it's been 52 or 3 years now. And that still bothers me that I never reached out to help her. The purpose of the church is to kiss frogs. That's more important than preaching. That's more important than healing the sick or raising the dead. It's more important than the prophesying or manifesting any spiritual gift because Jesus said in John 13, 35, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Don't get me wrong. All those other things are important, but the most important thing is love. It's reaching out and transforming people that are lonely and hurting. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will cease. Whether there are tongues, they will be uh, stilled. Whether there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. What is God's will for Emmanuel Church? It's easy. I've already said it. It's to kiss frogs. It's to kiss frogs. Frost kiss, frog kissing is about seeing people transformed in the name of Jesus. It's about, it's about seeing the lepers healed. It's, a, it's about seeing the, the woman caught in adultery set free because Jesus loved her. I want to give you five characteristics of frog kissers today. Normally, we have them on the screen. Normally, I pass out notes for, uh, I think, almost 40 years. I've been passing out fill-in-the-blank notes, but we didn't have that today. My fault. But, I, but you can write them down if you'd like. Characteristic number one, all of them come from Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Number one is this. Frog kissers are willing to take a risk on people. Frog kissers are willing to take a risk on people. Acts chapter 9 verse 11 says this. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul for he is praying. The Lord calls a man by the name of Ananias in, an, in a vision, and Ananias answers before the Lord says anything to him. Ananias answers, yes, Lord. You know, those are the two most important words that we could ever speak, and the two most dangerous. But yes is the only legitimate answer when the Lord calls. We need to be prepared to say yes before we know the what. Some of us say, Lord, you tell me what, what it is you want me to do, and then we'll think about it, and we'll tell you yes or no. No, the only answer is yes. 
We decide the yes, and then God decides the what. The Lord tells Ananias to go and talk to a man named Saul. The problem with that is that Saul is a pretty rough character, not in the sense of uneducated or anything like that, but he's persecuting and killing Christians everywhere that he goes. And the Lord says to this nice man, Ananias, I, I kind of picture him as an older man, I don't know for sure, but he says to him, I want you to go to the house of Judas. There's a man there named Saul, and I want you to talk to him. Look at verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent to me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what? Let me give you a truth. God doesn't always call us to a safe ministry, but he does call us to an effective ministry, and that often means taking a risk. Taking a risk. Frog kissing is about taking a risk on people. I'm in the ministry today because Bob Willis took a risk on a young 15-year-old boy still in high school and let me preach my first sermon. And I can assure you that was a great sermon full of deep theological truths. You know, it was on a Sunday night in Brownsville, Tennessee. And uh, back then, the, most assemblies had their youth service on Sunday night before the regular service. And, and uh, he let me preach to about 15 youth. And, and that got me started. You're here today because someone took a risk on you and believed on you. Now, here's the problem. A guy is all excited in this cartoon. And, and, and he says, if you kiss a frog, you'll find a handsome prince. And the other guy looks at him and says, who told you that? He goes, I don't know, some, some guy with a lot of warts on his lips. You know, you don't always, the first time you kiss a frog, you don't always find a prince. How many know that's true? Sometimes you got to kiss a lot of frogs before you find your handsome prince. This week, the Assemblies of God lost uh, one of our leaders, one of the great pastors in our movement, Jadon George. He was a pastor in Texas and built a mega church there. And as I began to watch Facebook and look at the tributes that came in from other great pastors from across our nation, they all had great things to say about Jadon George. The one I love the most is from my friend Maury Davis. Maury Davis pastored Cornerstone Assembly in Nashville, Tennessee, built the church to about 3,000, and then retired, and his son's carrying on the tradition now. And J. Don George took a risk on Maury when he came, was coming out of prison. Maury had been convicted of murder, a murder that he actually did when he was 18 years old and high on drugs. And Maury, it was one of the most vicious crimes in the history of Dallas. It was all over the Dallas newspapers and TV and everything. And God miraculously delivered Maury Davis because he got saved. Genuine, you know, every prisoner gets saved before their sentence. But Maury Davis really got saved. And uh, while he was in prison, he started winning people to the Lord. And he actually had a congregation of over 200 people that he won to the Lord while in prison. But he's coming out of prison and J. Don George hires him, guess, guess what as? His youth pastor. Can you imagine if you have a teenage girl 
saying, yes, come to our youth group. Our youth pastor murdered a lady. I mean, it was an incredible, incredible risk that Jadon George took on him. Ananias took a high risk to obey the Lord, but he was instrumental in one of the most important conversions of the New Testament. Because of his willingness to kiss a frog named Saul, we have most of the New Testament today. Do you realize if Ananias hadn't been willing to go and invest and love on Saul and obey the Lord, that Saul may have never been, never become Paul, and, you know, the, God, the, the epistles would have never been written. But Ananias took that risk. The most important ministry a new believing frog may ever receive Listen to this. This is important. The most important a new believing frog might ever receive may not be at the altar, but it may be at somebody's kitchen table. That's good. I'll just amen myself on that one. Amen, Brother Randy. You're doing a really good job up here, okay? You know, we, we you know, in the assemblies, God, believe me, I believe in the altar. And I thank God for things that I've seen in the altar, transformations that had taken place. But it's not always instantaneous. Sometimes it takes a process. Sometimes it takes somebody that's going to be a frog kisser long enough to see that transformation, sitting with that person at the table, discussing the Bible, discussing their problems, sharing with them their own experiences. Did you know that New Testament hospitality is one of the most important ministries in the, in the New Testament. And it's a forgotten heart. It's a, I'm so thankful for my mom. She, she taught us how to be hospitable. Mom would have people at our house and always reaching out to people. And, and uh, I, I just got to the point where if somebody came to our little church, our little church in Manchester ran about 30 people. And if we had a guest, you didn't have to ask them if they were a guest. You knew they were, they were a stranger. Are you a stranger around here? And I, I would just invite them home, and Mom would feed them, and, and, uh, and, and some of those relationships we still have today. Acts 20, 20 says this, You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. And from house to house. Romans chapter 12, 13. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. When's the last time you took a stranger home? Say, well, we don't invite strangers into our house. And I understand we've got to be careful, but there are times when God will speak to us and challenge us to take a risk and invite somebody into our home and love them. 1 Peter 4.9 says this, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. What frog needs you to take a risk on them and show them hospitality. Characteristic number two of frog kissers is this. Frog kissers are partners, are in partnership with the Lord. Frog kissers are in partnership with the Lord. Acts chapter 9 verse 13 says this. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done for your saints and to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, 
the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were uh, coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again, and he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength, and Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Only God could transform the heart of Saul. Only God could give to Saul the salvation and the hope of eternity with him that he so desperately needed. Only God could do that. But God used Ananias to go to Saul to lay his hands on him so that his eyes might be opened and so that he might be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, why do you think he did that? Because the Lord partners with us. The Lord does the divine, the, the impossible, the miraculous, but he expects us to do the rest. He expects us to reach out to people. Only God could, could change Saul, but, but he used... Now, don't you think if God could take this wicked man, knock him off his horse, speak to him from heaven, and, and change his heart, don't you think he could have could have just spoke the word and his eyes been open, could have just spoke the word and the man filled with the Holy Spirit. But he didn't do that. Aren't you glad he didn't do that? I'm glad. Now, I'm a lot more glad than y'all are this morning. I don't know if you're still depressed after the game yesterday or what. But there will be another week. Florida's coming up. <laughs> There's another week. But... <laughs> Vanderbilt's at the, you know, Vanderbilt's coming up, you know. So aren't you glad that the Lord allows us the joy of partnering with him? The Lord saves people. We can't do anything about that. But he does allow us to see people and have a hand in the growth and the maturity and the discipleship of people. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, it says, As God's fellow workers, aren't you thankful that we're on God's team? That we're fellow workers? It says, We urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Ananias offered Saul four things that he desperately needed. Number one, he offered him acceptance. He said to him, Brother Saul, that was an inclusive term. I love, I love your vision. I saw, I, I don't know if it's your vision. It was flowing across the screen. It, uh, invest, invite, and include. Is that part of your, or is that just flowing across the screen? That, all right. I mean, that's powerful. And, and you know he's a southerner because he says, Brother Saul. You know, they don't do that up north. They just call everybody, you know. But, but he includes him. He includes him. Secondly, he gives him a message of hope. He tells him, that he's, that, you know, what God's will is for him, that he's going to take the gospel to the nations and to the, to the Gentiles. Thirdly, he offers him healing. And fourthly, he offers him support. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Those are things that God wants to use all of us in for everybody that comes into this church. To be a partner together with God, we need, we need to do two things. Number one, we have to overcome our fears and our prejudices. We have to overcome our fears and our prejudices. You know, Saul, Ananias, was scared. He had openly admitted that he was afraid. But he, he recognized that the Lord hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and of love and a sound mind, and he stepped out. 
How many times has the Lord spoken to your heart and you have to make a choice? Are you going to let your fears rule or are you going to have that eternal yes and step beyond your fears? There's so many times. When Nancy asked me out the first time, she was afraid she might get turned down. Just wanted to see if y'all were with me. Just wanted to see if y'all were with me. Had to overcome fear and prejudice. You know what? I thank God for churches in the South that are not all white. I thank God for that. Our church in Jackson, we purposely tried to reflect our community, and our community was 50% uh, Anglo and 50% African American, and our church didn't quite make that, but we were at 30, 30 or 35% African American, and a few, uh, a few Asians and, 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 and a few others, and then us white people. And, and it didn't matter. You know, they, they reached out. I never, I never thought about what it would be. When we got to Jackson 28 years ago, we had one African-American family. And we loved them and, and uh, got to know them and very well. And, and uh, we were talking to them about what it was like to come in a southern town to a white church as African-Americans. And they were from Oklahoma originally, Oklahoma City. And uh, they said out there that they didn't experience that kind of prejudice. The people worshiped together. Out there, the prejudice was more towards the Indians. You go to Southern California, it's towards the Hispanics. You go to Northern California. Towards, everybody has some place of, you know, it's just sickening when you think about it. But they said, they, you know, she said to us, she said, a couple of weeks into visiting the church, this was before we got there, said she looked around and realized we're the only African-Americans in the church. And then she remembered all the stories she's heard about the Southerners and how they've treated African-Americans. She said it was, it was fear. So, but somebody reached out to them. Somebody opened their home. Somebody loved them. Somebody kissed the frog. They weren't a frog, but they were just different. Somebody kissed them and showed them love, and that opened the door for many, many, many others to come. The second thing we have to overcome is, or the second thing we have to do if we're going to kiss a frog is get close enough to people to touch them. To get close enough to people to touch them. You know, it's so easy to come to church, fulfill our duty, come listen to Pastor Michael Clark. He's a great teacher. Come, come, you know, pay our tithes and walk out and feel like, ah, did our duty. No, God's called us to be a family. That's why you have, what do you call them, connect groups or small groups or what do you call them? Life groups. They should be connect groups, but we'll get to that later. No, whatever they're called, it doesn't matter. It's the, it's the important thing is that you're getting together. Again, taking a risk. Say, well, I don't want to do that because you get to know people. You just, you just get enmeshed in their problems, and they're going to eventually hurt you. That's part of life. But you take the risk. You can't help a person if you're not willing to get close enough to touch them. True ministry happens up close and personal. What frog needs your personal touch today? The third characteristic, and I'll try to hurry here. The third characteristic is that frog kissers protect their young. Frog kissers protect their young. Acts chapter 9, verse 23. After many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. 
But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch over the city gates in order to, in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. Saul had a dramatic conversion and immediately became as zealous for the Lord as he had been against the Lord. He created quite a stir in the synagogues of Damascus, and, 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 to the, and the Jews conspired. They, they got together and got a plan to kill him. Have you ever met a new Christian? Every church ought to be filled with new Christians. That's what keeps life in the church. You know, but new Christians sometimes aren't as mature and, and don't always know what, when to do, what to do, how to do it. And sometimes they just, their, their zeal gets them in trouble. And that's what happened to Saul. I remember the first church I pastored was in Porter, Indiana. Do you guys know where Porter, Indiana? Up by the Indiana Dunes, Chester and Valparaiso. And uh, you all know where that is? Do you? You're... Where are you from? Yeah, that's like Porter. Nobody's ever heard of it. So, <laughs> you know, Hoosier, Hoosier, Hoosier. <laughs> but uh, what was I saying? Oh, my first church. My first church. And uh, I, had, I had 19 on the first Sunday, and six months later I had it down to 11 where I could handle it. And, uh, and that's true. But we had this one couple, my predecessor, had, Porter had 2,000 people in it, just a small town connected to Chesterton, which was another small town. And, uh, and my predecessor had knocked on every door in the community. And, as, and out of that, only one family came. But that family came to know the Lord. And when they got saved, they got saved. I mean, they were zealous for the Lord. And right after... They got saved just literally a few weeks after they got saved. My predecessor left, and I came, and, and, and I, got this, I got 17 deadheads and two on-fire zealous Christians, you know. And uh, we, were, we were remodeling the church, and uh, my, these two, he worked at the steel mills there in Gary. And uh, back then, every so often, the steel workers would get a 13-week vacation, and he had that. And he gave 11 weeks to the church to help us. And he'd come and he'd talk to me and he's always asking Bible questions. And I don't care if we were doing plumbing or roofing or whatever we were doing. I, I say we were doing it. He was doing it. I was watching him. But, uh, but he'd just talk about the Lord. But he always would, he'd always say, I've got to do everything I, I can do for the Lord in the next two years. And uh, finally, he'd said that a hundred times, I bet. And finally, I stopped him and I said, Harold, you're not, you're, you know, you're a fairly young man, a lot younger than I am now. I said, Harold, why, why do you think you have to do everything in the next two years? And he said, well, all the people in the church tell me that this feeling will only last for two years, so I better do what I want to do now. And I looked at him and I go, Harold, don't believe that. I said, that's because they're dead and your light is showing them up, you know? We've got to protect our young. What do, we, what do we protect them from? Well, we protect them from the enemy, number one. But sometimes we have to protect them from themselves because they can get themselves together. Who need you to reach out and protect them and to love them, not to quench their zeal, 
but to help, help them keep it in the right channels. Number four, frog kissers introduce new frogs to the fellowship. Frog kissers introduce new frogs to the fellowship. Acts chapter 9, verse 26 says this, When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he told them how Saul on his journeys had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Notice that the, many of the church didn't want anything to do with Saul. Sometimes the hardest place in the world to get into is the church. Because we often become victims of our own success. What do I mean by that? We get so connected to our church family that we fail to remember to reach out to the new families the Lord sends our way. We get too busy to care. Our needs are already being met, and so we don't think about reaching out. And may I be totally honest, since I'm not the pastor and I may not ever come back here again, can I be totally honest, the first Sunday that we came in January, we sat right back here where my fellow Hoosier is. I don't like Indiana. I'm sorry, but no, I just, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I like it. But I was sitting right about there, and the meet and greet, go get coffee, time came, and we had one lady come and talk to us. And Pastor Mike came up and said, I feel like I should know you. And uh, I said, yes, I've probably been in your dreams. I know I didn't say. But, but the, out, of, out of probably 70 in the house that day, maybe 75, one lady who had only been here two weeks, sitting right over here, and Mike came and talked to me. Now, did that make us mad? No, because we're old, we're mature, you know. We've been in the faith a long time, and we know that if you want friends, you've got to show yourself friendly. So we just reached out and talked to other people. But I, I wonder if I'd have been a new believer. If I'd have been a new believer, if, if some, you know, I'd just come to know the Lord, and I came to church, and nobody spoke to me but the pastor and one crazy lady. <laughs> she was a little different. She's not here tonight. I hope. I'm retired. I can say anything I want to say. This pastor from Indiana, if you were ever thinking about having me, you just that just did it right there. And never having that guy. Stay, stay in Tennessee. Right there. Just kidding. No, I'm not. May I challenge you to be a bringer and an includer? To invest, to invite, and to include? I love the story of Jackie Robinson and Pee Wee Reese. Jackie Robinson, as most of you know, was the first African-American to ever play in the major leagues. And one day there in Brooklyn, he was being booed because people were prejudiced and biased against him because of the color of his skin. And Pee Wee Reese, one of the great players of all time, left his position and went over to 
what did he play, second base, I think, went over and put his arm around him and just stood there until the boo stopped. And Jackie Robinson said, that's when I felt accepted. People need to feel accepted. Do you remember who it was that reached out to you to make you feel a part of the family that said to you, hey, we're going to go to Shoney's. All right, maybe you don't like Shoney's, but we're going to go to, all right, we're going to go to Crystal Burger. <laughs> Somebody that just reached out to you and said, hey, come on over to my house. Well, we're gonna, all I got is bologna, but we're going to have some bologna sandwiches. And just loved on you and just cared about you. We had one of our greeters there in Jackson, and a lady walked in for the first time, and Anne gave her a big smile, and that lady almost started to cry and said, I really needed that smile today. You don't know when something as simple as a word or a smile or an invitation can make a difference. Number five, and this, this is it. Frog kissers look forgotten frogs up and offer them a second chance. Frog kissers look forgotten frogs up and offer them a second chance. Acts chapter 11, verse 25. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. If you remember the story, I just read it. Because of Saul's zeal, he was causing such trouble, they lowered him over a wall, and he went away. He went back to his hometown. And people forgot about him. We don't know exactly how long it was, but it was over 10 years. How easy it is to put people on the shelf and then forget them. Out of sight, out of mind. Saul had been on the shelf several years, but Barnabas remembered. Barnabas remembered his teaching ability. He remembered his passion for the Lord. I don't know how he remembered, but I have a feeling that the Lord laid Saul on his heart, and Barnabas obeyed the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. Has God ever laid a forgotten friend on your heart? You know what I mean. You haven't thought of someone in a long time, and then all of a sudden God puts that person, and you can't help but think of him for several days in a row. What do you do with that? You act on it. You act on it. COVID has, COVID has created a perfect opportunity for this. These seats up here, what about the people that used to sit here? What, are the, what about the people that used to sit the row next to you? Some of you had come to Pastor Mike, and, and you've said, Pastor, we're so-and-so. And you know what Pastor Mike needs to say, but he can't because he's still pastoring? He needs to say, I don't know. Why don't you look them up? Because it's not always his job. I know that he's already calling people and reaching out to them, but it's your job. It's my job to reach out. And say, hey, we miss you. You know, what happens sometimes is that we, 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 we think away or we reason away that burden. We say, well, you know, it's, it's, I, I, guess, you know I guess they got mad at the pastor. Or I, I, wonder if, I wonder if they backslid. Or they've probably gone to another church. And, and we just, we just make the, make, you know, take them out of our mind. When God wants us to just reach out to them, with a phone call or a text or an email or a card. You know how important you know how important a written card is today? That's one of the most powerful tools that you can have. Because nobody writes anymore. If you could just 
you know, if you do something for mom, mom's going to, we're her kids. And, and, and if we do something for her, she'll write us a little note. And it's so en enjoyable to go to the box and open it up. And we're always looking for money, but, but it's never there. And at this point, we got a different relationship. And, and, and she just writes how much she appreciates the smallest thing. Who do you need to reach out to today? The truth is, we don't know why they're not here. And the point is, the why doesn't really matter. What matters is that God cared about, about them enough to put them on your heart, and he wants you to reach out to them. Many people stop coming, and this is so true during this 2020 season, and then they just get out of the habit. How many people are watching online? Hello. We're watching online, and... And that's all we had for a few months. And some people started liking it. I hated it because I want to be around people. I don't know we'd, we'd watch several services. We'd watch Mike a little bit. We'd watch this one a little bit. And, you know, we'd flip, flip. You know, we'd just, uh, we were couch potatoes with a remote in our hand. That's dangerous, you know. But I couldn't wait to get back to the house of God to be around people. But some people like that. They like the convenience of not having to get dressed up. They like the convenience of not having to get in the car. But, you know, the Bible talks about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We need to be with each other. We need to be in community. Now, if you're watching and, and you're high risk or whatever, that's a different, that's a different case. And we're not, we're not pointing in the fingers. But if you're, if you're just lazy, you need to get back in the house of God. Amen. Amen, Randy. Amen. Preach it like a retired guy. Preach it. Come on now. Amen. Frog kissers are willing to take a risk on people. Frog kissers partner together with the Lord. Frog kissers protect their young. Frog kissers introduce others to the fellowship. And frog kissers look forgotten frogs up and give them a second chance. Have you ever felt like a frog? Frogs feel slow, low, ugly, puffy, drooped, and pooped. I know. One told me so. The frog feeling comes when you want to feel smart, but you feel dumb. When you want to care, but you're indifferent. When you want to share, but you're selfish. Yes, each of us has found himself sitting on the lily pad of life, floating down the river, feeling a little bit froggish. Once upon a time, there was a frog, only he really wasn't a frog. He was a handsome prince that this mean old lady had cast and turned into a frog. And the only thing that could get him back was a kiss of a beautiful maiden. But since when do beautiful chicks kiss frogs? So there he sat, unkissed prince in frog form. But lo and behold, a miracle happened one day, and a and a handsome, uh, 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 handsome uh, beautiful lady came along and grabbed him up and gave him a big kiss and crash, boom, zap. They, there they were, a handsome prince. And you know the end of the story. They lived happily ever after. So what's the purpose of a manual assembly of God? It's to kiss frogs, of course. Are you willing to be a frog kisser for Jesus?
Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray for everyone in this congregation. I, I, I sense, Lord, that there's true community here. Lord, when I get together with Pastor Clark and we enjoy fellowship and he talks about this church, Lord, he, he speaks so highly. And Lord, there's so many good people here. But Lord, I believe that you want to send more frogs into this family. You want to send more hurting people into this little building in East Knoxville. And God, help us to be ready. Lord, help us to come to church not so intent on seeing our friends that we forget to reach out to the ones that you've sent that week. Lord, may we be passionate about investing and inviting and including, about being bringers and includers, Lord. God, and I pray for this church. Lord, I know they've been at a point in the past where they had to move out and be in a school, and then they God, I pray that this church would explode. I pray that it would explode here on the east side. God, I pray that you would provide for them creative answers, Lord, and how to grow and how to maintain the people and how to, how, to, how to be able to reach more people. God, I pray for this church, Lord, of a greater facility, of acreage, Lord, of something that they can take, Lord, and build for the glory of God. God, I pray that you would guide them. pray that you would minister to them. And Lord, that you would watch over them. Father, I pray for anyone in this room that might not know you today. I pray that you would speak to their heart now. And that you would give them the hope of salvation. Lord, I can't give it to them, but you can. And Lord, I pray that as we close, Lord, anyone that needs to make that decision to say yes to you, yes to your will, yes to the things that you have for them, yes to the forgiveness of sins, to the hope of heaven, yes to being included in a family. God, that this would be the day that they would respond. With our heads bowed for just a moment before the pastor comes back. If you're here today and you need, you need to make a commitment to the Lord, you need to open your heart and say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I've, I had to do that. So many in this room have already done that. That doesn't mean we'll ever be perfect. I, I still have to ask him for forgiveness all the time. But if you need that initial encounter with the Lord and his salvation, would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, pray with me? And we're going to pray. I don't know you. I don't know how many are home people and how many are guests. But if you need that forgiveness, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, pray. Anyone? Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. God, help us to remember to be frog kissers. In Jesus' name, amen.
You guys encourage Pastor Randy this morning. I don't know about you, but uh, I, was, I was puckering up. I was getting ready. So let's go and uh, let's love the world that God has called us to love well and to show his love to those around us. It's, the frogs are the ones that have yet to come and join, right? They're not the ones that are already in this building. While we love one another, it's those that have yet to come and be a part of this family, that they would experience and know his goodness through us. That's our call. So I love each and every one of you guys. Stay around, uh, love on one another, connect, and uh, we look forward to seeing you guys next week. so glad you've taken the time to listen if you're ever in our area we invite you to join us for one of our worship services for times and locations please visit at emmanuelag.com